Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have eye-opening conversations with all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all you first-time and newer listeners. Really glad you're here and hope you're having a good day. If you've been a fan of the show for a while and would like to help keep the podcast going, you can make a secure donation through PayPal or join my podcast page on Subscribestar. Links are in the description. Thanks for your support. Okay, my guest today is a violinist who's had a lifelong love of music, dance, and theater. She is a published poet and a founding member of the tango ensemble Ruta Siete. Currently, she is a professor of English at Centennial College in Toronto, Canada. And before we start, you may hear some background noise. Uh, there is some construction going on in my building, so uh, I don't think that should be too much of a problem. But if you hear some hammering away or some grinding sounds, don't worry, that's not your audio on your end. Uh, that's just some uh, uh, construction going on in my building. All right, on with the show. And with me now is Aparna Halpe. Aparna, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Very happy to be here. Yeah. So Aparna, you are not only a tango musician, you're also a professor. You're a band leader. You've done some uh, composition and arranging, keeping very busy. Um, but first, uh, with, with keeping things on the tango, on the tango side, uh, how did you fall in love with, with Argentine tango? That's, you know, it's, it's such a mystery. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was listening back. Uh, actually, some of the conversations on your show have sort of really resonated with me. Uh, and it's so true that tango finds you. You know, that, that's, yeah. that just seems to be the quintessential way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, it's, it was a sort of a slower process than, you know, you'd think. I was. Um, I first came across tango uh, in that film that came out by Carlos Saura, uh, Tango, in 1998. I was in mm. Toronto for the very first time. I was doing my master's, and it, it uh, aired at the festival, I believe, and then it was in the theaters. And I saw this, and I was like, oh, my God, that is so beautiful. And um, and I have, you know, I was I have a long history as a musician, mm-hmm. uh, but I also do have a background in dance. I took dance as a kid and then I took it right through college. I was in uh, the dance corps. Mm. And so this is sort of that fusion of both those things together. Uh, but then there was this other really magical moment when I was in uh, Bordeaux in France. And uh, I was walking with my friends in this park, mm-hmm. and uh, it was summer, beautiful summer in France. And um, there was this rose-covered gazebo. I'm not even making this up. It was actually covered in roses. Mm. And I heard this music, and I just went to see what it was. And I saw these couples dancing under this this festooned rose-perfumed garden gazebo. And they were dancing tango. And the embrace was so beautiful. And I was like, oh, my god. I have to do that. And wow. um, I, w- I was going to return to Toronto uh, to do my doctoral work. Mm-hmm. And when I came to Toronto as a doctoral student, I decided I'd kind of find myself a tango class somewhere and get back <laughs> into my body and uh, so that's that's how it started nice yeah. nice what was that first tango lesson like you remember oh yes i was terrified <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have tango shoes i didn't know what the hell i was doing 
Um, and but it, you know, I had great teachers, and I was sort of very quickly able to adapt what they were saying to to other the other instruction that I'd had from dance, and so I was able to incorporate it, and you know, very slowly, step by step. Okay. <laughs> nice, nice. So when did it start making sense for you that the dance? I don't think it still has. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. There's so much mystery to tango. Yeah. There's so much mystery to every embrace. Yes. Um, that it's always new. Um, it does make sense at a very sort of intuitive level. It, I think it has to, otherwise it doesn't mm -hmm. work. Right. Yeah. Um, but in terms of it making sense for me, logically, tango is still completely a mystery. Uh, to me, I think um, I sort of find a little moment of clarity and then another mystery emerges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it never gets old, does it? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was your first Malanga like? Do you remember? Oh, I was that too. I was terrified because I, I, I'd been fed all these stories about Malangas, you know, mm. and they were like, oh, you have to be very careful, you oh. know. Um, it's Latin, it's this Latin world, and, you know, you have to be on guard. And I, it's just all these crazy stories. Mm. So completely not what I experienced. But when I went into my first Milonga, I was just amazed by how warm everybody was. It was really a sense of community. It was a sense of people coming together. And even though I was a beginner and very unsure of myself, uh, I had a beautiful dance. Um, and it was that moment when I felt, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And I was very, I, I just, I feel so lucky that I experienced that very early. And mm -hmm. so I was able to put aside so the sort of ego and the anxiety and focus on the dance instead, you know? Okay. Yes. Yes. Putting aside that, the kind of that self-consciousness that exactly. grips you. Yeah. Once you yeah. let go of that, it really, things start to make a little more sense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the music must have had some sort of, uh, you must have noticed the music a little bit more than other people who come in just purely through the dancing. How long before you started trying out playing tango on your own on the violin? Well, I think it happened quite fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember the piece, the, the, the first piece that really captured me was um, Pugliese's Zoom, which mm -hmm. was, by the way, written by Asta Piazzola. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 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 for his dog, and I'm a dog person. I didn't I didn't know that it was for his dog, <laughs> but that that violin solo in Zoom was so exquisite, and so I, without even knowing that this is what people do, uh, mm -hmm. I trans I started transcribing, um, oh. and and that was pretty early into my process. There really was no live music in Toronto at oh, that okay. time. It did not exist. And, you know, I speak from experience, it's been a very long journey, uh, but just uh, once again, a step at a time, you try to make it happen, you come together with people uh, mm -hmm. and you try things out. But that was the very first step. Uh, that, that was the tango that made it happen for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I take it uh, before you got into tango, you're, you're classically trained? That's right. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm from Sri Lanka, and we have a very, very rich 
uh, classical musical tradition there. My mother is a pianist. Mm. Um, I live with, you know, I live with, whenever I visit her, she has like three grand pianos on one level and, and nice. a, an upright somewhere else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there was always music in the house and my father's a painter and, mm. and a poet. And it was this very creative uh, family I was born into, very lucky that way. And... Um, we had the very first professional orchestra in South Asia, and I was very lucky to be able to play in that orchestra oh, nice. when I was very young. So mm -hmm. that was my training. And yeah, you know, it's funny because you always play a little bit of tango, though you have no idea what it is, right? So yeah. every kid plays cumparsita or choclo or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. You have no idea that it's attached to this gorgeous dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, once you started playing tango music, you know, were there challenges, you know, kind of understanding how the, the culture of tango fits into the tango music as opposed to how classical works? So that, that adjustment, what was that like for you? It's a huge adjustment. And I would say that even now, to this day, it mm. is still always an adjustment. And the secret to it is humility. Um, and I think that sometimes maybe as classical musicians, we don't always have a lot of that, <laughs> uh, but, but the, the real secret to playing tango is humility. There is a tradition, uh, and we must respect the tradition. And I really firmly come from that place mm -hmm. of the tradition and learning the tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's where, uh, you know, those conceptions we have of our ability and we think that we are doing a good job of playing tango because it sort of sounds like what we think it should sound like. And then when you do an actual deep dive into studying with the great teachers, you realize, oh, I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've played for dancers, I take it. I love to play for dancers, yes. What was, what was the first time doing that like? Um, scary. Uh, total disaster. <laughs> <laughs> What happened? Talk about, you know, your ego getting knocked back into place, mm. you know, but it, it also makes sense uh, back then, the very first time mm -hmm. uh, we were trying to create a tango, a live music ensemble in Toronto, but we had absolutely no idea how that was done, you know, mm. and it was a group of dancers who wanted to make it happen. But we didn't understand that we needed, uh, we needed scores, we need, it was not jazz. Uh, you didn't just improvise tango. So mm. there were just so many chunks of information that were missing from the picture that when we played it, it just sounded like a very, very pale, mechanical uh, parody of tango. <laughs> uh, and of course, dancers are, are, are very unforgiving that way. You know, they, mm. they're used to the great masters. So why would they put up with a bunch of live musicians trying to do something and not doing it very well? You mm. know, so um, yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that interaction, because there's because I, I've taken you played for seated audiences. And that's one kind of a, uh, yeah. interaction. But then here you have people dancing and that's another level and yeah because you're paying attention to what you're doing as a musician but you got to pay attention to what they're doing and there is this kind of almost like a partnership going on absolutely between. and and when that does happen which I'm, I'm you know very pleased to say it has been growing in toronto and we've seen a lot more of it now mm -hmm. when that uh that electricity 
uh, takes over the room where you're playing and your violin solo is in someone's body and you can see it and there's this this beautiful moment of connection between the musician and the dancer that's that's magical yeah yeah so i imagine when you really start to understand tango music like you said you there is sort of this academic side of it that there's the study of the history and then there's the experiential part of it when you really kind of put it into your body and into your mind so uh, when did things start you know happening for you in terms of really getting that that the, that tango sound when it kind of started moving away from the mechanical parody into being oh I, you're really feeling the soul of it do you remember that moment or those moments uh, truthfully uh, it really started to happen when I started to have access to great teachers uh, and that's where I have to say I mean uh, the efforts of Paulina Fain and Morgan mm -hmm. Luker in Portland when they started the Reed Tango Festival yeah. and they brought these absolutely great teachers from the uh, Escuela de Tango Emilia Balcarce mm -hmm. and he, I got to study with Ramiro Gasho who was just like wow. a titan. Uh -huh. um, then you started to understand, oh, that's what Fuimos is about that's where it's coming from mm -hmm. and then it starts to click and once mm -hmm. you hold on to that feeling that sort of uh, synthesis of all these different moments in your learning process it sort of comes together and it makes sense yeah. at that point you know nice yeah i had morgan on the show a while back yeah yeah such a wonderful program that he set up so while you were there what was um i guess what was something that uh, really opened your eyes like one that kind of uh, once you learned it, once you figured it out, or once someone told you, it kind of changed your playing forever in terms of um, I think the big thing, especially for a violinist, mm -hmm. is uh, what we call fraseo, mm -hmm. the phrasing. Uh, and you hear it in all the great masters. They all phrase in that very personal, individual way, right? Now, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan, and he's like my icon, is Alfredo Gobbi. Uh, if you listen to Gobbi as a violinist, it's so internal. It's so from in the inside. There's that cadence to the way he phrases, and you have to wonder where it's coming from in the sort of a pain, but that it's a very, mm -hmm. it's my pain. And yet it's on, it's, it's coming out of this instrument. And that's very different, for example, from the way someone like Hugo Baralis would play, where it's a fair bit more flamboyant. It's, mm -hmm. it's got a lot of vibrato, uh, but the fraseo and how you phrase, whether it's an extended or an open and what you do and when you do it, mm -hmm. and really understanding that ultimately it's my choice, mm -hmm. my decision, and I have to bring myself completely and bring something authentic uh, to the phrase. Uh, that was something that Ramiro would teach us. He, he would say, okay, play the play fra this fra in fraseo, and you do it. And he'd say, great, now do it again and do it differently. Great, do it again, differently. And he would do this again and again, and I'm like, oh, my God, how many different ways am I supposed to figure out how to play this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine that that you can kind of realize, wow, maybe I am a much more creative person than I imagined, or that kind of invites you to, to do things, to take chances that you probably wouldn't be able to as a classical musician. 
Absolutely. I mean, when you play a Beethoven sonata, you know, uh, you know, the sort of parameters within which you can phrase. Mm -hmm. You can be, uh, you can push those boundaries, uh, but there, there's still a, a great respect for the score. There has mm -hmm. to be. Um, in tango, the score is just a guide. It's very, it's just a guide. And, and that was the hardest thing, was to realize that. Uh, that, you know, that while you respect the tradition, you also then have to know what to do with it and how to move and make it your own eventually. Yeah, yeah, great. So Aparna, I want to move on to your, uh, you started your own tango group, uh, Ruta 7? Ruta Siete. Siete, yeah. okay, I wasn't sure if it was seven or Siete. <laughs> I just saw the number, I'm like, got a 50-50 chance. Okay, so Ruta Siete, so yeah, Tell us about how uh, how you got that off the ground. So Ruta Sieta was back in uh, 2013. Uh, uh, the name, uh, it was a duo, uh, myself and Elena Loseva, who is a fantastic pianist here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we thought we were, we wanted to play tango together. And Ruta Siete is a fantastic piece by the Argentinian composer Nicola Ledesma. I don't know if you know him. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a stunning piece if you can find, you know, it's on YouTube. Go look it up. It's um, it's this journey and the Ruta Siete is the highway that sort of intersects uh, all of Argentina, you know, and you hear all these different landscapes in the piece and we just loved it. Uh, and so it was to bring new music, so contemporary tangos, mm -hmm. as well as traditional music uh, to dancers. Uh, and it was it was very difficult. We worked very hard. Uh, we would go to read together. And, you know, we had access as an ensemble to work on things with the teachers there. Um, but it was it was this moment where the dance community was encountering these great contemporary tangos. Um, and they were taking a chance and they were dancing, you know? And so there was this, we, it, I, I think that with Ruta Siete, we pushed that boundary where it was like, yes, it's just a violin and yes, it's just a piano and it's not an orchestra tipica, mm -hmm. but this is a milonga. You can dance to it yeah. and you know you can. And of course, when a dancer hears music that, they, that sounds like the dance, they, they're gonna get up and dance. Right. So yeah. that was that moment uh, when, you know, we were we were together for, uh, I think, until 2018, mm -hmm. um, at which point, I, you know, I disbanded and moved on, which I do a lot. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, yeah, I think and of course, the beautiful thing was uh, our Toronto, the tango community here. Mm -hmm. uh, they were so open. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Sadowska, uh, Lena Chan, you know, they really opened our milongas. They opened the festivals. They're like, come listen to these guys, you know, come listen to this live yeah. music, you know, stretch your boundaries a bit. Uh, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one, one wonderful thing when any, whenever anybody attempts in a tango community to, uh, to, play live music for dancers. I, mean, I get really excited and I'm sure a lot of other dancers out there do as well. So if you're listening and you're a musician and you're <laughs> thinking of playing tango for your community, yeah, do it, do it. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah uh, speaking of which for those musicians who are thinking of you know well gosh i really like tango i think i can do that should i try that well what kind of advice would you have for people who are considering um starting their own tango groups the advice is um the hardest thing is to understand the score mm-hmm. and scores are necessary especially when you're beginning um you know the orchestra typicals did not play Parisia. They did not play on the grill. Mm-hmm. They had gorgeous scores. Now, granted, not everything was written in there, mm-hmm. but the arrangement was complete. And if you look at any of these, uh, um, the, the facsimiles of these arrangements, it's almost, it's almost all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the place you need to start when you're starting. And I'm right in this process right now, so yeah. I, can, uh, I can sort of speak to this with a little bit of clarity. Mm-hmm. You've got to get good arrangements. Uh, arrangements that you that can be a foundation from which your musicians can grow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the number one challenge when you're starting a tango group. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a musician, if you want to join a, a tango group, the thing is, look around at who else is doing it. It's, it's a community and yeah. we're a very open community and you can always reach out and people will say, oh yeah, sure, I can, do, you know, <laughs> I know this person, I can connect you with them and he has a great score and mm-hmm. we share things a lot in this community. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a wonderful thing about musicians that I found just reaching out, you know, there's some been, you know, like you and others just been, yeah, I'd be love to love to talk and there's this openness. I don't think that, you know, they're just a bunch of, you know, people in an ivory tower. That's really not the case. No. Yeah, a lot of the musicians, I think, uh, yeah, they're really, really willing to share. And I think we're in a really special time for that because there seems to be what I've heard from other musicians. And I'd love to give your thoughts, hear your thoughts as well, is that we're sort of in this, um, in a very interesting evolution of the music. I mean, we're in this age where we can communicate with people all from all over the world. There's this knowledge there people really trying to organize tango music education. Um, so we're kind of bright in the a very exciting wave of all of this. So as a musician, uh, Aparna, uh, where do you see the evolution of tango music going? Well, I can, I can give you two examples, mm-hmm. right? Um, both that have happened because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was that moment when we all went into lockdown and the, you know, we just didn't know what a community would look like anymore. And yeah. very soon we broke out of it because we made these virtual connections and we started to rethink the way we approached the music. Um, I can't speak to the dance because it's true. I haven't danced yeah. since mm-hmm. the pandemic started, but with the music, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, there's such a growth that's happening. So I can give you like two examples. Um, one is that Right now, I have formed, and very soon, starting in the next year, we will be sending out uh, our first track, uh, a group of nine uh, women tango players from all over the world. So there's, I'm here, we've got, my violist is in Vancouver, my double bass player is in Brisbane, Australia. Stina, who is nice. in, um, in Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires Amy yeah. is in uh, Washington. You know, we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But we're going to come together and we're going to make music. We can do it because we know how to do it. 
Mm -hmm. you know, we've been playing tango for a while and these are all musicians who know the tradition so well that I know that I can trust them to deliver on this. Mm -hmm. But this would not have been possible if a pandemic hadn't arrived and changed the way I thought about how we make music, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's one beautiful uh, thing. And you talked about music education and, and that too has changed. Uh, um, I, I think, you know, maybe we've been organizing these master classes with mm -hmm. the great teachers from Buenos Aires. My violin teacher, Guillermo Rubino, has been running these amazing master classes on how to play the great solos and how to approach phrasing. Uh, Ignacio Barczowski, who's like the god of tango history and yeah. style, uh, he has been running a seminar for us since September. Uh, Rami Roboiro just did a fantastic bandoneon workshop. Mm -hmm. Julian Peralta will be teaching arranging starting in January. So it's an opportunity once again, you know, where we can stretch across these borders and say, hey, we can come together and learn. We're not all just locked in our little apartments all over the world. The world yeah. is a much bigger place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was horrible as this pandemic has been just our lockdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great to see that, you know, tango musicians, dancers, we've all been trying to, we've been finding a way to to keep it alive. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think when it finally lifts, I think there's just going to be a, yeah, I wonder what that's going to look, look like. It's going to be really, <laughs> really wonderful, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Aparna, what's your, what's your practice routine like? Okay, so I'm a crazy person. Um, as you know, right. I'm a professor, so I mm -hmm. uh, and I'm I'm right now on sabbatical. Full disclosure, mm -hmm. uh, that makes me a little crazier than normal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that means I have to write a book by the end of this year, or let's say I have to. Um, I'm sort of revising my doctoral thesis for publication. So, mm -hmm. if, sort of every day I will do my uh, writing up until uh, 3 p.m. So, mm -hmm. by the time I get up till 3 p.m. And at 3 p.m., I'll take a little break, uh, check my email, deal with correspondence. At 4 o'clock, from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock, three hours, I will practice my violin every single day. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you have that structured time. That's great. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I find that structure is a release mm -hmm. because then you know that's how your world, uh, that's, that's the time. It's there. It's sacred. It's part of the respect that you have. Yeah. For you do right yeah um, so yeah good, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so being a professor i know that your life is busy my, my wife is also a professor so yeah i, I kind of hear about these things so yeah. uh, do you ever find that um you know once you started learning tango as mysterious as it is you kind of start uh kind of start approaching a lot of other avenues of life with a tango mindset or <laughs> I, I find myself doing that all the time. Definitely. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it works the other way, too. I mean, yeah. uh, for me, tango is not just music, dance. It's everything that happened to make that. And I think it's one of the reasons it speaks to me so powerfully is because mm -hmm. when I think of my background and my history, which informs a lot of my research, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I lived through war. Um, I find that the, the foundations in which tango grew, they speak to that. 
uh, it's an art form. It was ve- it's so much an art form of the 20th century that sort of the chaos and the the heartbreak, the exile, the you know the the nostalgia. It, it's so much of that, and of course also the joy. Right? We mm-hmm. all, you know, even when we were uh, we were locked into curfews in Sri Lanka, we still found ways to have house parties that went on till six o'clock in the morning. Right? Great, great. It, there's life will always thrive and grow. Mm. Um, and tango is sort of the quintessential artistic expression of that, I find. And so when I'm teaching um, like a course on genocide literature, uh, in my head are the disappeared. Um, yeah. That's all, th- those connections are always happening for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, like um, when you hear uh, a song like uh, Cinco Nombres, I don't know if you have heard that. Nobody's, I'll look it up, but not, I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, Julian Peralta's, um, with the albums, uh, Un Disparo en la Noche, hmm. um, and he works with this really amazing singer, Alejandro Gullo. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song like that, that's what brings my two worlds together. You know, and that's where I find them meeting. And when I'm giving a lecture on uh, what it means to lose someone in mm. a work of literature, a song like that is definitely <laughs> there at the back of it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just great how tango can kind of enrich um, understanding of other areas in our lives. So yeah, like you said, not just a dance and not just music, it's uh, in some ways it's sometimes it's a lens of uh, a way of looking at things. So exactly. That can be really yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, keeping so busy with tango. Uh, do you also you also compose? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you, so do you have any original compositions that that are in the works that you can tell us about? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was very lucky um, mm. when I was in Ruta Siete with Elena. Uh, I wrote this uh, milonga, uh, and then that was the year that Alex Krebs had the the dance competition uh-huh. and I was very lucky it came in second so it was oh, like yeah. I was like I got this sort of vote of confidence and I was mm. very much a beginner composer at that point but it was this moment where I was like oh yeah I can do this and so step by step from there um, it's taken a long time uh, because learning composition is not easy and tango is quite specific right Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been working quite closely with uh, Charles Goczynski, who's a fantastic teacher. Um, and so and you talked about practice, and like everything, composition needs practice, right? So uh, what I do is I have my Sundays just dedicated completely for composition. Nice. Um, but, you know, I'll get up at 3 o'clock in the morning with a tune in my head. Uh-huh. And, so when that happens, it, you know, you got to get out and get it on your phone, record, you know, sing it or whatever. Yep. And then it's got to be there for you when you're ready to sit down and really make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm glad you mentioned that getting up at three in the morning or that because <laughs> that's, you know, like we might think we're crazy, but that's I think that's really what it takes to for 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 these things to come to life and to, to move forward is you kind of have to get out of that you know, that norm of, oh, I'll just worry about it later. No, yeah. you got to do it now. I don't care if it's yeah, three in the morning absolutely. or not. <laughs> Otherwise it's gone and it's not coming gone. back. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's, um, 
remember a long, long time ago, because my background's in filmmaking and I made yeah. this, this really silly animated film and I was just couldn't think of the right music for it. And I was uh, starting to study tango at this time. I'm a pianist. So yeah. I just kind of improvised this really quick little silly tango piece was I made tried to make it sound tango-ish without really <laughs> understanding it, but I had a lot of fun with it. And it was yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the only only composition I have to my name is for, <laughs> for a silly film. But yeah, it was fun. It was Maybe super the first of many. You may, gotta we'll see. We'll you see. know, yeah. those three o'clock in the morning moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I because like you, I kind of heard that in my head. I'm like, oh yeah. okay. So <laughs> great yeah. composition. So uh I take it uh is do you specifically, when you have an idea for, for a song, whether it's a tune or if you kind of just consciously trying to hammer something out, uh, do you gravitate towards a song that's mainly for listening, kind of like a piazzola style or something for dancers? I, I love to write for dancers. And that's always, um, I, I guess subconsciously, I'm not really conscious of that choice. Okay. But I find that every time I do write, uh, it's 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 very strongly grounded in a da dance tradition. It's recognizably mm -hmm. so. Um, I have moved on uh, in the pandemic. I've written um, songs, which mm -hmm. is a, a departure for me. I was uh, writing mostly just uh, for instrumental um, groups, but uh, I've now branched into writing song, and and it's odd that I I just feel like I have. I kind of found my place because I love writing songs. Uh, and whenever there's a melody and I'm like, oh, and then I can see people dancing to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, this could work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Great. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, we have the tradition of the concert tango and that, that's incredibly important as, as well. Yeah, uh, but I just find that there's something really precious, something beautiful, about remembering that it was a dance, that it is a dance. It's a lived uh, community, and that when you bring that new music to that community, something uh, everyone grows together. Is mm -hmm. how I feel it. You know. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, Parna, I feel like we can talk all day about tango. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do we find out more about you online? Um, you, I'm on Facebook, so okay. um, there's, there's Facebook, and also um, uh, we have uh, what is, a, it's a sort of an idea of a tango collective, If so if you look up Solidaridad Tango, Solidaridad Tango, uh, okay. We, we, this is also where my group will be posting all their new music. Uh, and our processes, where how we work and rehearse and play, and the projects we work on. But Solidarida, uh, the idea is that it is a community that will amplify and accelerate women, LGBTQ, and BIPOC members of the tango music community. And so it's a sort of a safe space for people to come and share their projects. So um, you should be seeing more f happening from us there as well. Yeah, tango is for everyone, right? It is, yes. <laughs> great. Well, great, Aparna. So I'll have, um, I'll have the links to those, to your Facebook and to the sites. I'll have that in our, in our show notes so people will be able to, to look that up and learn more about you. Great. Oh, I should mention there's yeah. one more thing. Uh, if anyone's interested in checking out uh, Tango in Toronto, there's a really great documentary done about it. And you can see more about Ruta Siete, 
then it was done in 2013 okay. by Miguel Libedinsky. It's called Hearts of Tango. Hearts of Tango. Yeah. Okay. And it's also on Facebook. Okay, great. I'll have links to all of that. And yeah, hopefully people look it up and learn more about you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Aparna, thank you again so much for taking the time to talk to me. I know you got a lot of things going on. Got a busy no, schedule. No, it was fun. It was great yeah. fun. And I love your podcast. Well, thank like, you. Oh my God, all my friends. This is so great. I feel like <laughs> Just hang out with my friends. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes we do shows with multiple guests, so yeah. um, we'll do a group chat sometime, and that'll be really fun. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thank you again, Aparna. No problem. Thank you, Joe. Okay, that was fun. We covered a lot in that conversation, and Aparna shared quite a bit of interesting stuff. I really like how she's a very creative individual, and at the same time, she's very organized and disciplined. We often associate structure and organization as the opposite of being creative, but that's not really true if you think about it. In many ways, Aparna's sense of structure helps her creativity. She's deliberate about dedicating a certain amount of time each day to creating tango, and that routine helps move things forward. And this dance between structure and creativity also applies to what it takes to be a good tango musician. That you have to understand the history of the music, to respect the original scores, and to get a feel for that phrasing, or fraseo. And once you get a better sense of tango's traditions, or foundational structures, you add your own personality. You don't stay confined within those traditions. They're a starting point to making the music your own. Eventually, you'll have to do things your way, and it's a little scary putting yourself out there, but you'll need to trust that it's going to work. We also touched upon the fact that we're in a really exciting time in terms of tango music. Others have brought this point up in previous episodes as well, but it's worth repeating. In terms of opportunities to learn about tango music, thanks to the internet, we now have resources that weren't available even just a few years ago. And it's pretty easy to get in contact with many accomplished musicians. The vast majority of them are incredibly generous and love sharing their knowledge. So if you're an aspiring tango musician looking for guidance, don't be shy about reaching out. Now's the time. So thank you again, Aparna, for sharing your thoughts. And a huge thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. It really means a lot that you've made time to listen to this show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a quick moment to subscribe and leave a five-star rating or review. That really helps out. Thanks for your support. All right, you've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.